After five draft deferments and faked bone spur excuses, Donald Trump has finally gone to war with the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. March on, General Bone Spurs. March on. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV. In Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR in Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. It's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio for uh, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, amongst others, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the world-famous Bradcast. Uh, we got to start here, however, with Desi Doyen. Desi, seems you have <laughs> some explaining to do. Okay, how so? Well, last night, around 9.30 p.m., I received this alert from NBC News on my iPhone. It reads, Desi Twitter erupts with jokes, praise, and criticism over Kamala Harris. Oh, you had no idea I was so powerful. I had no idea. NBC (laughs) is actually alerting to your Twitter feed? What the... Sadly, no. No? Uh, Desi, D-E-S-I, is actually a term that is often used for folks from South India and South Asia. Senator Kamala Harris is officially the Democratic vice presidential pick, and Desi Twitter has strong feelings about it, (laughs) NBC reports. Uh, NBC. uh, So apparently, yeah, Desi Twitter, as described by NBC, is the space in which young South Asians share memes, TikToks, and relatable experiences. Yeah. Harris is the first black American and South Asian American to be on a party's presidential ticket. And while some are applauding the representation, others are pointing to issues like her past record on policing and incarceration on the Twitters. For example, there were jokes about, quote, Desi parents (laughs) using her VP nomination as the new standard for their children. Um For example, uh, where was this? Uh, If it's Kamala, please spare a thought for all of us who will now be shamed at Indian family reunions for being neither doctors nor engineers nor even vice presidential nominees. (laughs) 
Kamala Harris is also half Indian. Please don't erase her Desi identity when talking about her. Kamala Harris is a black and Desi woman, so let me also enjoy the fact that we're going to have someone who knows her merch and masala in the White House, says another. But her tough-on-crime history and support for policing have turned off other voters in the Desi community and alienated some progressive South Asians. Uh, here, one person uh, tweets, Me, sees Kamala Harris, is Biden's VP. Also me, remembers how much Desi people love cops. Desi people love cops, Desi. Uh, here's another. Can't wait for Kamala Harris to decolonize the prison industrial complex by serving Idlis and Sambar in prison. I love Desi success. Oh, I love Desi success, too. I, I do thought have you to might. I thought you'd like that, that one. one. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it is, by the way, it's not the first time your name has caused me problems. Debold election systems, which I have reported on for many years at bradblog.com. Uh, yes. Debold election systems, systems incorporated. Inc. Yes. yes, that's right. They refer to themselves. They used to make voting machines. A lot of their crappy machines are still out there, but they sold off the... Uh, Debold Election Systems Inc. part of Debold. Um, but yeah, they used to refer to themselves as Desi. So I could never do that. I could, <laughs> you know, I wanted to quote their documents. I couldn't, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I didn't want to write, oh, Desi is terrible. Desi sucks. <laughs> Thank you for not writing You're that. You're welcome. And yes, I am everywhere. But yes, you am. <laughs> uh, anyway, as to non Desi reviews of Kamala Harris as Veep, the uh, right wing has been having a gay old time. According to media critic Eric Bullert's press run newsletter today, he writes, taking their cues from Trump and dropping any pretense of not being blatantly sexist and racist, the right wing media immediately dove into a feeding trough of ugly rhetoric this week when Joe Biden announced Kamala Harris as his running mate. The uh, he calls them conservative. I call them right wing media machines. Set off. They ain't conservative. No, they ain't. Uh, they set off allegorical bomb blasts around Harris, frantically trying to depict as radical and dangerous a mainstream U.S. senator from the largest state in the union. In style and policy, Harris epitomizes an authoritarian. <laughs> said the National Review. Yeah, you could say a lot of things about Harris, but really? Yeah. And, authoritarian? And never mind all the authoritarian attempts to clear out peaceful protesters and folks oh, exercising yeah. their rights to speak oh, free yeah. speech, but, yeah. you know, but kind of yeah, authoritarian. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know if National Review has mentioned that lately anyway. The far-right Federalist warned panicked readers that Harris, a former prosecutor which is something that a lot of progressives uh, sort of hold against her now, like those uh, some of those in the Desi community. <laughs> uh, they said uh, the Federalist warns that uh, she represents, quote, a radical threat to America. And Fox News' Sean Hannity announced the Biden-Harris ticket was, quote, the most radical ticket of a political party in our lifetime by far said Hannity. Most radical ticket? Really? Imagine if Trump had actually run on, oh, I don't know, caging immigrant children uh, or undercounting the U.S. census on purpose or suing states to prevent mail-in voting or even to allow secure drop boxes for absentee. Would that be seen as radical? 
Imagine if Trump had run on the premise that he was going to appoint a postmaster general to purposely slow down the U.S. Postal Service. Any of that qualify as radical, Sean? I'll get back to the post office in in a second, but uh, as Bullard writes, with the Harris pick and the front row seat she'll occupy during the fall campaign, Fox News is officially bringing back the ugly race baiting that defined the channel during Barack Obama's presidency. That's when the network spent hundreds of hours questioning the president's birthplace, mocking his connection to black culture, and one prominent host even called America's black first black president a, quote, racist who flashed a, quote, deep-seated hatred of white people. Of course, that would be Glenn Beck, who, uh, after that comment, ended up failing up, I guess, to his own pretend news site and TV station now, after Fox pretended to be disturbed enough by his uh, statement calling Obama a racist that they eventually ended his contract there. But uh, they were obviously just pretending to be upset about it, given the ongoing racism and race baiting from the Trump propaganda network. And yes, in fact, they are already questioning whether Kamala Harris is constitutionally eligible to be running as vice president. That didn't take long. As Josh Marshall of uh, TPM tweeted last night in response to a Newsweek, not a Fox News uh, piece, but a Newsweek opinion piece questioning Harris's eligibility. Josh wrote, quote, black folks seem to have a hard time meeting this standard, according to wingnut law professors. But never mind all of that. It is by now uh, to be expected from the right. What is not expected is that the madman in our White House is now actually gaming the U.S. Postal Service to try and steal. Yes, steal. And that is not a word that you will hear me use very often, if ever, but trying to steal a largely vote-by-mail election that needs to happen because we are in the middle of the worst and most deadly global pandemic in more than 100 years, which was all exacerbated specifically in this country by the man who is now hoping to take advantage of that deadly pandemic in order to steal the November election. And he's even he's even saying so out loud at this point. But let's start here, since I've 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 heard from some uh, usually Fox News watchers of late, but even on election integrity and an election integrity email list that I happen to be on. Uh, I've heard that they're dubious that the mail is really being slowed down. Well, here was NPR's morning edition. This was, I think, Tuesday morning. Uh, with a a brief interview with the president of Iowa's Postal Workers Union. Listen closely here. Mail-in voting will likely be a big part of this year's election, and the new leader of the U.S. Postal Service is making major changes to that agency. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is a donor to President Trump's campaign, and he made his first public remarks on Friday. We are at the beginning of a transformative process. Our goal is to change and improve the Postal Service. He has reassigned or displaced 23 postal executives. He's changed delivery policies, banned overtime, and done other things to cut costs. So what has this all meant for employees? Kimberly Carroll is the president of the Iowa Postal Workers Union and a postal clerk herself in Waterloo, Iowa. Hi. Good morning. Are you feeling these changes that are being made in Iowa? 
Yes, we are beginning to see those changes and um, how it is impacting the mail. Mail is uh, beginning to um, pile up in our offices and we're seeing uh, equipment being removed. Uh, so we are beginning to see the impact of those changes. Curious, I hadn't heard about this one. Equipment being removed. What equipment? Um, the uh, sorting equipment that we use to process mail for delivery. Um, in Iowa, we are losing machines, um, and they are already in Waterloo. We're losing one of those machines, so that also hinders our ability to process mail uh, in the way that we had in the past. Sure, sounds like it would. You've been a postal worker for thirty years. How do you feel about Louis DeJoy? Um, I am not a fan. Uh, I grew up in a culture of service where every piece was to be delivered to be delivered every day. And his policies, although they've only been in uh, place for a few weeks, are now um, affecting the way that we do business and, and, and um, not allowing us to deliver every piece every day as, as we've done in the past. Do you get the impression that your feelings about him are shared broadly among postal workers? Do people agree with you? Uh, yes, all across the country. Um, we are trying to activate um, people all across the country and notify the public because we. my opinion is that the PMG is trying to circumvent the rules that have been set in place to safeguard the public um, by making changes that don't require public comment but have the same impact as closing offices and or changing delivery standards. And so this is a way to avoid that kind of public comment. And we're trying to make sure that the public understands that they need to make comment. <laughs> hmm. is, is the Postal Service equipped to handle this, uh, this upcoming election? Yes. Keep in mind, the Postal Service has been in place for 200 years. We, we have a uh, history of being able to uh, process mail. And we've been developing and perfecting our methods for all that time. So although um, the Postmaster General is taking actions that are starting to impact that, by having it preparation uh, in advance of these elections, we still have the system that will do that. Um, last question for you real quick. The Postal Service is dealing with financial pressures, and the argument is, you know, these are cost-cutting measures. We need them. What do you say to that? Well, unfortunately, um I don't see this as cost-saving measures. I see this as a way to undermine uh, the public confidence in the mail service. It's not saving costs. We're spending more time trying to implement these policy changes, um, and it's in our offices costing more overtime. Hmm. Overtime that we understand um, is, is also one of the things being cut. Kimberly Carroll, president of the Iowa Postal Workers Union, thank you for your time. Thank you. That was NPR's morning edition uh, two days ago, I think uh, Tuesday morning. And, and uh, Kimberly Carroll, the uh, president of the Iowa Postal Workers Union, saying that mail is now beginning to pile up in our offices as we are seeing equipment removed, the sorting equipment that we use to process mail delivery is actually being taken out. Well, that's at least according to one source, Kimberly Carroll, up there in, uh, in Iowa. Well, Motherboard confirms that report today. Uh, Motherboard confirmed through interviews with postal workers and union officials that the U.S. Postal Service is removing mail sorting machines from facilities around the country, not just in Iowa. 
without ex any official explanation or reason given, they say. In many cases, there are, these are the same machines that would be tasked with sorting ballots, calling into question promises by Postmaster General Louis DeJoy that the USPS has, quote, ample capacity to handle predicted surge in mail-in ballots. Motherboard identified 19 mail sorting machines, and these are great big machines. They can process up to 35,000 pieces of mail an hour. They identified 19 mail sorting machines from five different processing facilities so far across the U.S. that have either already been removed or are now scheduled to be removed in the near future. They report, but with the uh, Postal Service operating hundreds of distribution facilities around the country, it's not yet clear precisely how many machines total are now being removed and for what purpose exactly. Even to local union officials, USPS has not announced any policy or explained why they are doing this or what will happen to the machines or the workers, by the way, who use them. Nor has the management provided a rationale for dismantling and removing the machines from the facility rather than merely not operating them when they are not needed. If, as the USPS has made clear, mail volume is down, uh, you know, generally during the pandemic, OK, they don't need to use it. But then if mail uh, volume goes back up, they may need to use them again. The uh, Iowa Postal Workers Union president, uh, Kimberly Carroll, told Motherboard, I'm not sure you're going to find an answer for why the machines are being removed and whether that makes sense, because we haven't figured it out either, she said. The postal workers Motherboard spoke to uh, said having machines removed, replaced or modified potentially impacts the facility's ability to process large numbers of mail, including ballots, in a short time span. Uh, one postal uh, worker said, look at it this way. Your local grocery store was forced to cut one third of its cash out lines, but management expected the same product uh, productivity, quality and speed for the customer. It's just never going to happen. That was an employee at a Buffalo uh, distribution facility, which said that they are set to lose six out of 21 mail sorting machines. After uh, publication of this story, according to Motherboard, USPS spokesperson uh, David Partenheimer told Motherboard, quote, the Postal Service routinely moves equipment around its network as necessary to match changing mail and package volumes. Package volume is up, but mail volume continues to decline. Adapting our processing infrastructure to the current volumes will ensure more efficient, cost-effective operations and better service for our customers. Except that whenever you talk to any of the postal workers on the ground, they all say that these are not efficient. These are not cost-saving measures. In fact, they're being ordered to leave the post office with a not completely full bag to deliver what they have and then go back and get a second batch to then deliver that. And they said that's incredibly inefficient. In this case, with package volume being up, focusing on that, these are not these machines that these sorting machines are not for packages. Right. These are for letters, including for ballots. Well, the consequences of this new policy are mostly unclear, Motherboard reports for now. It, it, it neatly fits with the sudden, opaque, and drastic changes made by Louis DeJoy, a longtime Republican and Donald Trump fundraiser and donor, in the less than two months that DeJoy has been Postmaster General. But if there was actually any question 
about why these about the fact that these policies are happening happening and why they are happening well Donald Trump has now pretty much well he said the quiet part out loud as you say Des yep. uh, he is hoping to undermine the postal service period and he is admitting as much now in order to hamper the use of absentee mail-in voting in this year's elections. And he admitted as much during some rambling statements on Wednesday night during one of his press conferences slash campaign events at the White House. Now, usually we do not bother sharing or even fact checking his daily lies fest uh, with the press because it's also purposely disinformative and full of lies and other stuff that's just made up nonsense meant to uh, confuse people. Uh, like this fun comment from his uh, Monday White House presser. In 1917, they say, right, the, the, great, the great pandemic uh, certainly was a terrible thing where they lost anywhere from 50 to 100 million people. Probably ended the Second World War. All the soldiers were sick. It was a that was a terrible situation. Yeah, it was it was a terrible situation when in 1917 the Great Pandemic of 1918 prematurely ended World War II, which took place about 25 years later. Terrible situation. So, you know, we don't waste our time or yours usually with that nonsense. But uh, Trump, uh, again, said the quiet part out loud on Wednesday night during his uh, presser uh, uh, about why he is doing whatever he can to undermine the U.S. Postal Service, despite his own Trump-appointed GOP-majority Postal Board of Governors asking Congress for $25 billion immediately to save the Postal Service from a complete collapse due to the pandemic. So keep that in mind as you hear this. That request for $25 billion came from Donald Trump's own appointed Board of Governors at the Post Office. Now, the Democrats are hoping to include the uh, that $25 billion requested by Trump's own Republican Board of Governors in the next coronavirus relief bill, if they can ever agree to one, along with billions of dollars for nearly bankrupt states and cities across the country due to the crash in revenues because of the pandemic, uh, monies for money for hospitals uh, to continue the uh, expanded unemployment payments for some 30 million newly jobless Americans, and yes, for $3.5 billion to upgrade election systems during the pandemic as requested by the nation's election officials. So here's uh, some of his rambling comments. Des, we'll, we'll stop and start here uh, and see how much of this we can get through. Well, they want $3.5 billion for universal mail-in voting for the country where you have hundreds of millions of voters. They can't do a little race with 20,000 people. Now, they want now, of course, yeah, they can do a little race with 20,000 people. They do it routinely. They do it with millions of people, millions of votes in uh, at least five different states that do all vote-by-mail elections, and they do it without a problem. Take it countrywide, mail-in voting. It's going to be the greatest fraud in the history of elections. No, you actually, you're the greatest fraud in the history of elections, sir. Always talk about Russia, 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 China... Yeah. Iran on voting. Uh, your biggest problem is going to be with the Democrats, not with 
China, Russia, and Iran. Your biggest problem is going to be with the Democrats. What, what, what's your problem with the Democrats? Uh, the Democrats are actually trying to help make it easier for voters of every political party to cast a vote via mail. Are you implying, sir, that the Democrats are somehow uh, defrauding elections? Because you've got no evidence for it so far. But now the Democrats, they want $3.5 billion. Think of it. But now that they're unwilling to approve a bill that gives all of that money, of course, we would never approve an amount like that. And they also want $25 billion additional for the post office, Steve. $25 billion. Yeah. Okay. Again, it's not the Democrats who want that for the post office. It is your own board of governors, the Republican majority postal board of governors that you appointed, Mr. President. For the post office. So the post office can handle this vast amount of ballots that are being sent at random all over the place. No, no ballots are being sent at random anywhere they are not randomly sending ballots they are sending ballots to registered voters and not even all registered voters only in a few states and not even to all the registered voters in those states only to active registered voters in other words voters who have participated in recent elections so no they are not just randomly sending out ballots they have no idea where they're going yes they do so they want 25 billion and they want think of this they want 3.5 billion. Would you say that's enough to cover it? I think we could do it for less. Do, do I you? think we could do it do for you? less. Do you think? But they want 25 billion for the post office because of this. So they want 25 billion for the post office. They want 2.5 or 3.5 billion dollars for universal mailing. 3.5 billion. That's right. And the bill's not going to happen because they don't even want to talk about it because we can't give them the kind of ridiculous things that they want that have nothing to do with the China virus. It has no okay, really? Has nothing? You're concerned that there's things that have nothing to do with the China virus? I won't even mention, of course, that that is a racist term that you're using. It is the coronavirus or COVID-19. Take your pick. But they want things that have nothing to do with the coronavirus? Really? You mean like that money you wanted for a new FBI headquarters because it's across the street from your, uh, from your crappy hotel in Washington, D.C. that has zero to do with any virus, no matter what you want to call it? Nothing at all to do with China virus, much of what they're asking for. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they don't have the money to do the universal mail-in voting. So therefore, they can't do it, I guess, right? Are they going to do it even though they don't have the money? They're asking for the $3.5 They're asking for $25 billion for the post office so they can do this, I guess, and other things. At 25 I would hope it would be a lot of other things, too. But therefore, they don't have it. They don't have the money to do the universal mail-in votes. It'll be the greatest rigged election in history. It'll be... The greatest fraud ever perpetrated, other than perhaps what they did to my campaign, where they spied on my campaign, President Obama, Biden, and everybody else. No, they didn't spy on your campaign, President Obama, Joe Biden. They didn't. You're just lying. And they got caught. Let's see what happens. This will be one of the greatest frauds in history. Yeah, it will be the greatest fraud in history because you're carrying it out, sir. So they're admitting that they want $3.5 they're admitting. And they're not going to do 
a deal that's good for the American people. Therefore, they're not going to get the $3.5 billion. Therefore, they can't do the universal mail-in vote. It's very simple. Uh-huh. How are they going to do it if they don't have the money to do it? Right. How are they going to do it if they don't have the money to do it? Because you're stopping them from being able to do it. And by the way, they don't even want to do it. It's not about universal, uh, what does he call it? Universal mail-in voting. It's about the request from election officials around the country for $4 billion to be able to upgrade their equipment and their, their safety provisions to be able to run this election safely in the middle of a global, global pandemic, which you have worsened with your idiotic, non-existent policies. You see why I don't play those? Uh... <laughs> yes. Donald Trump's lies then about the Postal Service and absentee mailing continued today. As Politico reports, Donald Trump said again on Thursday that he opposes funding for the U.S. Postal Service and election security grants. Election security grants. That's that three and a half billion dollars he's talking about. He opposes that in an effort to uh, stymie mail-in voting for the upcoming presidential election. He was on uh, Fox Business Network's Maria Bartiromo show and said pretty much the same exact thing that he kept repeating over and over again on uh, on Wednesday. He said, quote, Democrats want three and a half billion dollars for something that will turn out to be fraudulent. That's election money. Basically, they want three and a half billion dollars for the mail in votes. Okay, universal mail in ballots. They want twenty five billion dollars billion for the post office. Now, he said they need that money in order to have the post office work so it can take all of these millions and millions of ballots. But if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting. Well, God forbid the post office should take millions and millions of ballots. Can't have that. Must stop those ballots from being cast any way possible even if it means crushing the U.S. Postal Service in order to steal this election for himself. And he's doing it in plain sight now. Rick Hassan, an election law expert at uh, UC Irvine, uh, noted correctly last month, he said, quote, saying that voter fraud and election crimes are rare is not to say they are non-existent. When election crimes do occur, absentee balloting is a more common way that it occurs, and that is true. He says it's more common than uh, through in-person voting, but it seems to be a very rare problem. Well, it is rare, but yes, it does happen. Though when it does happen, it can A, usually be uh, fairly easily caught, but B, is very difficult to use to swing an election, especially a large election, like for president of the United States, without getting caught. Now, if you listen to this show or if you have read the Brad blog, uh, bradblog.com over the years, you know that I am not a fan of vote by mail, at least when we do not have a pandemic that makes it absolutely critical if we want to hold something that even resembles a legitimate small-D Democratic election. But most of my concerns about vote by mail, not all, but most, Most of them have to do not with an election being fraudulent or stolen, but that it is so easy for voters to lose their vote with absentee voting, whether it's by fraud on the way back to 
uh, county headquarters or the ballot never gets delivered or fraud at uh, county headquarters. But the much larger problem is ballots being rejected for any number of reasons, for a lack of a date or signature or, or the belief by election officials who are untrained in the art of handwriting analysis that a ballot is uh, the belief that, oh, it's, it must be fraudulent because the signature doesn't match well enough with a signature on file that could be decades old. I mean, I registered to vote decades ago. I have no idea what if, if, if my signature still looks like the one that I used when I signed up to vote. Yeah, my 80-year-old mom's signature is not the same as it was when she registered at 20, when she was 20. And uh, in a lot of cases, because of that, the ballots just get rejected. Hundreds of thousands of them, often millions of them, particularly in places that don't have the opportunity or, or the, the, the resources or the system in place to contact voters and say, hey, we think this ballot might be fraudulent. Can you please come in and let us know if this is actually your ballot or not? giving them the opportunity to cure the deficiency in their ballot. Or, hey, looks like you missed your signature. Can you come on in and sign this thing? That's what some some of this money that election officials are asking for would otherwise go to the money that Donald Trump is holding up. My concerns are not that, that uh, you know, absentee voting is used to easily steal an election by voters somehow. Hassan uh, continued in, uh, in his remarks to say it's really hard to try to swing a local election by tampering with absentee ballots because such a scheme easily comes to the attention of voters whose ballots are missing or recorded as having voted. And it potentially involves a scheme among a whole bunch of people. Hassan said it is even much harder to do with a larger election. So this is, has nothing to do with protecting the election. You know that. I know that. Everyone knows that. Donald Trump knows that. But I think it's important to point this stuff out because you're liable to hear from your Fox News watching uh, uncle about uh, how uh, Donald Trump is protecting us all from a fraudulent Democratic election due to vote by mail. Now, Trump's funding numbers Three and a half billion for elections upgrades and 25 billion for the post office. That's a reference to the HEROES Act. That's the House Democrats opening bid that they passed in the House three months ago for coronavirus relief. The Republicans in the Senate, it was dead on arrival there. They took no action on it for months and months. They waited for unemployment insurance to run out before even beginning to discuss this bill that they're having trouble passing, leaving 30 million people in the lurch right now, uh, unemployed people. The House bill contained a myriad of funding streams, including $3.6 billion in, quote, election resilience, uh, resilience grants, which election administrators across the country could use, quote, for contingency planning, preparation, and resilience of elections. It could be used, that money, for everything from preparing for the influx of mail-in ballots to protecting in-person voting, and yes, to buying personal protective equipment for poll workers, which cash-strapped states and always cash-strapped election offices don't have extra money for usually. Yes, it would make in-person voting safer and more viable. 
And I actually have concerns myself, by the way, about that three and a half billion dollars, because it has pretty much in the uh, Democrats bill, it has pretty much no limitations on what it can be used for. So Republicans, for example, could use it to make photo ID restrictions more onerous in various ways. But maybe Trump at this point just believes that blocking as much mail-in balloting as possible will be enough to help him steal the election because so many more Democrats than Republicans now will be uh, voting by mail this year. It did not used to be that way, by the way. Republicans used to use absentee voting much more. But now Trump has for months been claiming that the virus is a hoax. It's uh, it's safe now to open businesses and schools. Vote by mail is fraudulent, even though he uses it himself. And in his case, it actually is fraudulent, by the way, because he votes out of Florida where he has no legal permanent address for voting purposes. A Republican congressman from Kansas was just charged with three felonies and a misdemeanor for committing the exact same voter registration fraud and voter fraud crime in Kansas that Donald Trump committed in Florida. As of late, Trump has tried to draw a distinction between absentee voting and mail-in voting. There is no difference between the two. He did say he did tweet uh, earlier this month, uh, whether you call it vote by mail or absentee voting in Florida, the election system is safe and secure. Encouraging supporters in Florida to vote by mail there for some reason. Anyway, all of that's completely made up. It is no more or less uh, safe in Florida than anywhere else. But Donald Trump knows he needs to win Florida. He knows he, he he wants to vote there personally, and he knows there's a lot of old people there who likely want to vote by mail. So Florida is fine. Everyone else, everywhere else, every other state, fraud, rigged. So the bill also contained uh, provisions that would amount to a uh, an overhaul. It does include provisions uh, for overhauling the American electoral system to mandate voters be sent ballots during times of emergency or disaster, including this November. So that would be the universal uh, vote by mail he's talking about. It has provisions to require in-person early voting, which they're against because, you know, more people can vote, and effectively eliminating voter ID laws by allowing voters to submit sworn affidavits in in lieu of an ID in most cases. But you'll notice that Trump is not trying to get rid of those provisions, which he could do by, you know, saying that the money shall not be used for any mandates to mail ballots during emergencies if he wants. He's not just removing that part or the provisions about uh, photo ID restrictions. He's just saying, no, the money ain't going. Nothing. You're getting nothing. And none of these provisions are happening because he's just trying to steal the election, period, by withholding all the money, period, end of story. And, of course, the Republicans know exactly what they are doing here. Larry Kudlow, one of Trump's economic advisors, was on uh, CNBC this morning. That's his old uh, cable channel where he used to work, I believe. Uh, He said this. So much of the uh, Democratic uh, asks are really liberal left wish lists. We don't want to have voting rights and aid to uh, aliens Mm -hmm. and so forth. That's not our game. 
And the president no. can't accept that okay. kind of deal. No, they can't have a voting rights. That's not their game. That's not their game. We don't do voting rights. Where do you think this is? America? So, yeah, you know, uh, as Mark uh, Dimenstein, the uh, president of the American Postal Workers Union, said on this program just a few days ago, the post office has been successfully handling absentee voting for almost two centuries now. They've delivered uh, some 150,000 absentee ballots without a problem during the Civil War, for Christ's sake. So all of this is just made up. Uh, Congressman Gerald Connolly, who chairs the House Oversight Government Operations Subcommittee, said that Trump is engaged in a psychological game. He's trying to get in people's heads that mail is unreliable, that they don't have the money. But, you know, and of course, people who believe him, Republicans, will then vote in person on Election Day, which will be counted and announced before all of the late absentee ballots are tallied because they take longer to authenticate. So Donald Trump on Election Night will be able to say, perhaps, if he's lucky, that he won, according to those numbers, and that any actual ballots that uh, change that are counted thereafter is simply Democrats trying to steal the election away from him. It's it's pretty genius, actually. Unfortunately, it's evil anti-American genius. And now veterans groups, uh, they are also none too happy with Donald Trump's attacks on the post office to try and steal the election. Here's a new ad out uh, from Vote Vets today, a nonprofit representing more than 700,000 U.S. veterans and military family members. After five draft deferments and faked bone spur excuses, Donald Trump has finally gone to war with the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah, the post office, the one that American troops have relied on for over 200 years to bring news from home and deliver our absentee ballots safely back home. And when our service was through, to deliver life-saving prescriptions on time from the VA. Today and every single workday, 330,000 veterans are due a prescription drug delivery by the U.S. Postal Service. And today, tens of thousands aren't getting their prescriptions because Donald Trump declared war on the mail. Firing workers, disrupting deliveries, defunding operations, the thing is, this is just a warm-up for the fall. Donald Trump plans to disrupt absentee ballots and vote by mail for millions of Americans in the middle of a pandemic he failed to control. Because Donald Trump knows if the mail delivers ballots to America's veterans, we'll deliver a message right back. You lose. Yeah, we will see. That comes from VoteVets.org. We will see. And I know, yes, I know, Des, I'm running late. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. I Good thing we don't have a three-hour show because I could do this for three hours. You know, I was the guy uh, back in uh, 2016 while everyone else was saying, oh, Donald Trump will never become president. I was the one going on air here day after day after day warning you that, yes, absolutely, he could win this election. I know how brittle our voting system is. And I know how easy it is for someone uh, to be able to game that system in order to win. And I am telling you now, today, right here, the president of the United States is attempting to steal the 2020 election, and he's doing it in plain sight. So I don't want to hear any goddamn information about, oh, but uh, Joe Biden is winning in the polls all over the place. 
Pay attention, people. This is real. This is real. The president of the United States is trying to steal the election, and he's doing it right in front of your face. What are you going to do about it? We're going to continue talking about it probably day in and day out for the next 82 days or more. But this is happening. This is real. This is not a drill. Quick break, and we're back with something. Maybe some good news on elections. Yeah, some good news on elections from the U.S. Supreme Court today, of all places. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the broadcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Something happening here. Certainly is. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Oh, no, it is exactly clear. Pay attention. (laughs) The president of the United States is trying to steal the election. Pay attention. Uh, Anyway, Desi Doyen, uh, Green News Report is coming up uh, shortly. You are on deck. But first, uh, after that rant, let's have a little bit of good, maybe good, Good encouraging. Yes, well, it might be encouraging. The Supreme Court on Thursday rebuffed. The Republican Party and allowed a consent decree to go forward so that Rhode Island voters during the coronavirus pandemic could cast mail-in ballots without in-person witness verification. So uh, it was the first time the justices agreed to a pandemic-related voter relief effort. They explained in a short unsigned order that the state officials there had agreed to relax the rules and that the change already had been implemented during the June primary. They wrote, unlike, quote, similar cases where a state defends its own law, here the state election officials support the the, uh, challenged decree that the Republican Party was challenging this uh, decree. And no state official has expressed any opposition to it. Under these circumstances, the applicants, that would be the uh, Republican Party, the applicants lack a cognizable interest in the state's ability to enforce its duly enacted laws. So the state agrees the law should be this way. The people who challenged this witness requirement earlier, they're fine with the state decree. It was only the Republicans who then later came in to challenge it. The vote, who voted how, was not announced, but Justice Cl- Justices Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito, and Neil Gorsuch all noted that they would have granted the stay that was requested, the stay on this decree that was requested by the Republican National Committee and the state Republican Party. Of course. But 
they lost. They were in the minority. Thank we don't know God. how uh, how large the majority was in this case, but at least those three said that they would have granted it. Throughout the crisis, uh, when dealing with cases involving voting, the court has consistently sided with local officials rather than those who seek relief in court. Rhode Island requires voters mailing their ballots to sign them in front of two witnesses or a notary. But the governor there, Gina Raimondo, who's a Democrat, she suspended that requirement for the uh, June primary because of worries that it would expose voters to the virus. They would have to go out and be with other people. This summer, the legislature had failed to reach an agreement on a bill that would extend that accommodation to the elections in September and November in Rhode Island. So groups like Common Cause and the League of Women Voters and the ACLU, they all sued. Uh, They sued the state. And then the state agreed in this consent decree to not enforce the witness requirement in the upcoming September primary and the November general election. But then Republicans sued, alleged that the state had a history of fraud involving mail-in voting, which it doesn't, uh, and that the uh, state officials must use the political, not judicial process to make changes. So they have to use whatever the law was rather than uh, come to an accommodation in court as they did. The groups uh, who originally sued to get this uh, consent decree said that the, uh, the the decree reflects the considered judgment of Rhode Island election officials that in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, voters should not have to face a choice between their health and the fundamental right to vote. Uh, that's what the groups told the Supreme Court in this matter when, when it was challenged by the Republicans. Since the requirement uh, to have witnesses uh, sign the ballots, uh, the absentee ballots, since that was not used in the June primary, the Supreme Court said, uh, quote, many Rhode Island voters may well believe that it is also not required for future elections. So that is good. We actually got a good order on uh, elections from the Supreme Court for a change. And maybe it also means that, hey, if it was a process that was done during the primary elections, like the use of drop boxes, like the use of uh, sending out uh, uh, absentee ballot requests, if they did that in the primaries, well, maybe they'll be allowed to do that in the November election when the Republicans sue to prevent that from happening, as they are doing all over the country. By the way, Rhode Island is one of two states with uh, such an extensive witness requirement, according to Washington Post. The other is Alabama, but the Supreme Court put on hold a judicial order granting similar relief in that case where state officials had defended the need for that requirement. Stay well, voters in Alabama. Don't get sick trying to vote, but do vote. Quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyne in the Green News Report. Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. All-Star. 
Okay, I know. Yes, we got to get straight to late. it because I rambled <laughs> on and on and on. So let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. On the issue of this climate crisis, this is a fight against powerful interests. And leaders need to lead, follow or get out the way. And get out the way starting with Donald Trump. Joe Biden taps Kamala Harris as his vice presidential running mate. Trump EPA rolls back methane pollution rules to profit the oil and gas industry. Good news for the nation's birds. Plus, you can see where the muddy water is flowing and a boom has been set up in an attempt to keep the material contained. Another fossil fuel spill, this time in Pennsylvania. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The clean, what, what did she say? The, the, uh, the New Deal there, uh, um, uh, I think it was she said the, uh, the California Clean New Deal, whatever it is. It's the Green New Deal, you blithering idiot, Janine Pierre. Pi- Jenny, whatever it is, Fox News lady, this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, Joe Biden names Kamala Harris, and you talk about her environmental record, I'm guessing. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You've probably heard by now that presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden selected U.S. Senator from California Kamala Harris to be his vice presidential running mate. Oh, Major environmental groups like the Sierra Club recently endorsed Biden for president, no surprise there, and now they have also praised the selection of Harris, saying it indicates a sustained Democratic focus on environmental justice. Senator Harris has earned a 91% lifetime score on the League of Conservation Voters' environmental scorecard. As California State Attorney General, Harris had a record of suing polluters like ExxonMobil. And in the U.S. Senate, she co-sponsored the Green New Deal resolution. Oh, I think you mean the Clean New Deal. I've heard of that on Fox News. In her own campaign for president, Harris's climate policy proposals put environmental justice front and center and and labeled climate solutions both a moral imperative and an economic opportunity. Just last week, Harris and Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez formally introduced the Climate Equity Act, centered on frontline communities that are disproportionately burdened by pollution and climate impacts. On Wednesday, in her first joint campaign appearance with Biden, climate was at the top of her list. This election isn't just about defeating Donald Trump or Mike Pence. It's about building this country back better. And that's exactly what Joe and I will do. We'll create millions of jobs and fight climate change through a clean energy revolution. Climate scientists have warned with increasing urgency that the next 10 years will seal the trajectory of global temperatures and living conditions for all life on the planet for the next century. So the November 3rd election really is an inflection point, a crossroads for the planet. Didn't you say that four years ago? Yes, But every election is now going to be that important. I guess it is. By the way, Biden also announced that if elected president, he would block uranium mining near the Grand Canyon in Arizona and the controversial proposed pebble mine in Alaska. What about fracking? Will he end fracking? That is still up in the air. Uh Uh-huh. Meanwhile, as if to underscore the stark differences between the two major parties, the Trump Environmental Protection Agency is set to formally issue new rules to weaken key 
key Obama-era standards restricting methane pollution from the oil and gas industry. The rollbacks include eliminating federal requirements that oil and gas companies install technology to detect and fix leaks of methane, an extremely potent greenhouse gas. However, the new rules could be reversed if Democrats win the White House and take control of the Senate. A rollback rollback? Yeah. Okay, I'll take it. In Pennsylvania, cleanup operations are now underway from a new spill on the controversial Mariner East 2 pipeline under construction. Drilling mud flowed into a state park lake that also provides drinking water for Chester County residents. Mm. The $3 billion Mariner East pipeline has racked up more than 100 environmental violations in just three years for polluting wetlands and waterways. I hope Joe Biden notices that's his home state. But some good news. Carbon Brief reports that over the first six months of 2020, the size of the global coal power fleet fell for the first time ever, meaning that more coal plants were shut down than opened around the world this year. When will Donald Trump stop his war on coal? In a blistering ruling, a U.S. district court has struck down Trump administration rule changes that gave nearly free reign for individuals and corporations to kill migratory birds. The judge wrote that the Department of Interior's actions to undo the Migratory Bird Act were contrary to law, saying, quote, it is not only a sin to kill a mockingbird, It is also a crime. (laughs) That ruling is for the birds. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Look at Harry in the alley by the light switch. Who watches over you? Love it. Love it. They might be giants. Uh, All right. Birdhouse in your soul. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, please feel free to uh, download it for free at bradblog.com. Share it with your friends, family, and uh, enemies. That is made possible by those of you who support our work, and we need you now more than ever at bradblog.com slash donate. You know, five years ago, we were only going to stay on the air through the uh, 2016 election, and then it had a big surprise ending. So we're staying on the air five days a week ever since then, at least through this election, but we need your help. Bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. We'll see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Who watches over you?